Hi, welcome to episode 12 of the Legacy Investing Podcast. I'm Nate and I'm joined as always with my Legacy Investing buddy, Josh. Hey mate, how you going? Good, how you doing? I'm doing really well, really well. I'm excited big for week? this podcast. Yeah, big week. Um, obviously not back at work yet. That's, um, that's That would be rude, but uh, no. I say that every week. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> No, doing a lot of stuff on the uh, you know elsewhere, and thanks to this little um, you know Trans Tasman bubble, uh, we've booked a, f- a little holiday to New Zealand coming up. So excited! Have you? Oh, very good. Yeah. Um, and you also have uh, you've also got a pretty big weekend ahead of you. Yeah, yeah, we do. So obviously, it would have happened <laughs> by the time <laughs> by, by the time this podcast is up and done. Um, you know, it would have happened, but. You know, from the inspiration of watching some David Goggins and the Navy SEALs Hell Week, we're going to run our own Hell Weekend. And um, it wouldn't be right to just do it for no reason. We're going to do a little bit of a fundraiser for a charity to do with veterans. And um, and I think I'm going to level up a few mindsets over the weekend too. So it'll be good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah mate. So we, I look forward to seeing that on Facebook Live, I believe. You're gonna, you guys are going to try and um, telecast it live. You're over in Perth, so the water's going to be nice and cold. And um, yeah, yeah, you might you might need a nice warm blanket at the end of that. Yeah, and a nice warm 24-hour sleep, I think, <laughs> Sunday through to Monday. I'll go back yeah, to work on Monday, so it's perfect timing. <laughs> yeah. uh, might need a sick day. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Uh, mate, so yeah, this week um, we're going to be talking about um, you know, money smarts um, and and how that people can use sort of um, money smarts in their systems at home, running their you know their own personal finances. Um, it's a system well known, uh, I think, from a lot of people, and probably made famous by the Property Cast uh, guys. And um, you know it pretty well, and um, so we're going to be leaning on you pretty heavy today. No and, yeah, mate, do you want to take us away with the uh, the Money Smarts uh, idea and the, the philosophy there? Yeah, yeah. So as you as you pointed out, um, the so Bryce Holdaway and Ben Kingsley from the Property Couch, um, they've pretty much created the system. You can get a free, we'll actually put in the show notes too, it's like a free download on, um, on Google that you can find. And it's really simple. It's basically a way to set up your banking structure so that, um, you trap as much of your income as possible and you stop any spending leakage because at the end of the day, it's not those big expenses that kill you. It's not those, you know, you don't go to Harvey Norman and accidentally buy a $4,000 fridge or a TV. It's a, it's a $5 tap and go and the $10 tap and go for lunch here mm-hmm. and a coffee here. And, you know, they're the things that really wreck your finances over the long term. So this is a great system to stop that. Yeah, great. So they use, um, essentially they have, uh, probably a little bit similar to the barefoot investor bucket style arrangement. The, the barefoot investor system's uh, pretty simplified, and I think most people can use it. And both you and I've read that one. That's a, a good system to use. But the Money Smarts is a little bit different. Um, it, it, they go with three accounts, I believe. Yes. Yeah, so you've got your primary account, which is where all of your income comes into. Um, also like if you have investment properties or investment income, all of that goes into your primary account and that's where, you know, that's either your savings account or your offset account if you have property. And then, um, from there, you've got your payments account and usually you'd use a credit card. Um, and that's where you set up all your bills to be direct debited from, um, any kind of 
uh, holidays or all those kind of ad hoc purchases that you've planned. Hopefully you've budgeted them in as well and that's where you'd pay for them. And then uh, the, the real kicker for this system is a seven day float. So you have a seven day account where you, you transfer the money from your primary account into your seven day account each week. And that's the only card that you use to spend anything discretionary from you know, um, groceries to lunches to whatever you're spending, that's all you use. And once that hits zero, then you're done for the week and you wait for your next seven days. Yeah, so there still would be a fair bit of, um, I guess, um, mindset and, and just you know, not going down and spending the money at your local cafe shop. You still need some sort of um, structures in place there, I guess. And, and, the, and the, the accounts there uh, are designed to help us do that. Yes. Um, do, they, do they actually, are they okay with credit cards? Yeah, yeah. So the big thing with credit card here is if you don't trust yourself with a credit card, then don't have a credit card. Because if you mm. if you carry your credit card around and you tap and go with a credit card, you are going to spend the bank's money because it's not your money. And you're going to pay interest on that money, which is going to kill your finances even more. So if you're somebody who, and it's, it's crazy that, you know, spending can be an addiction for some people. Um, if that's you, or if you can't trust yourself with a credit card, then don't have one and just use your primary account for all your bills as well. And your debit card, yeah, for that. For yeah. sure, yeah. And and a big thing there is don't carry around your card for your primary account and don't carry around the card for the credit card. Just carry around your spending account because then you can't accidentally pull it out and tap and go or you won't be tempted to pull it out and go tap and go. Um, mate, you, you know you know, um, know me a little bit and I just can't understand why this stuff has not been taught in, in school, you know, just around how to manage money um, earn money, save money, and invest money in schools. I reckon something similar to, you know, this, this type of system should be should to be taught in our local schools. And it would give, give most people a pretty good step up as they come into adulthood. And, and you know, because as we get into, as we become adults, we go and start earning a living and you get all this money and you, you get a, um, you know, it's fun, but then all of a sudden you've got these expenses and, um, it just yeah this stuff should be taught in schools i reckon i 100 agree um yeah finances is is something that is needed you know and if you if you don't get taught it then you just don't know it and you can't you know blame people for not knowing something that they haven't been taught but at the same time we all have the opportunity to go learn it as well so um you've like straight up you've mentioned the barefoot investor um these guys have brought out a book called Make Money Simple Again. And there's absolutely no excuse to not read that because if you type in Make Money Simple Again on Google, a free PDF comes up and you can read the whole book for free. <laughs> right. Yeah, okay. So, that, and it goes into these similar principles in that book. Have you read it? Yeah, I have. I, I highly rate that book. I, I would probably recommend that as the number one basic finance book. Um, I rated that over the Barefoot Invest, but I just, I kind of resonated more with the systems that they use. It, yep. is, it is an in-depth breakdown and strategy to follow for how to set up the Money Smart system for your whole banking mm. structure, your financial mm. structure. It, yeah, it makes investing really, really hard because obviously you, you know, we want to be using um, a certain amount of money for investing and a certain amount of money for other things. And you, know, you need some sort of a system in place to be able to, you know, we've got a disposable income. We want to be able to put that into 
I guess, certain accounts. And then these guys use use three different accounts, but there are other other systems that have different number of buckets. Um, yeah. Can we can we just dive into those um, accounts again a little bit more and give yep. and let's do examples on um, what you might use that account for. So the primary account, as you said, is where you know if I'm a you know, if, if I'm a worker and I'm earning some money, my paycheck goes into that primary account and it shows yeah. up in that account each week or each yeah. fortnight. Hundred yeah. percent. That's where that's where you want to track all of your money because at the end of the day, your primary account is either your high savings or your offset, and either way, it's it's saving you or making you money by having more money in there. So pretty much everything you can get into that primary account, you get into that primary account, um, and that. The only expenses from that primary account, if you don't have a credit card, um, is direct debited bills or ad hoc expenses um, that you've provisioned for, but then um, the transfers to pay off your credit card balance each month, uh, mm. the transfer into your living and lifestyle account, which is your seven day float, or paying rent and paying loan repayments and stuff like that. Yeah. So, so what you're saying is you would set up the, your primary account to be that one that you would give to your telephone company or your um, direct debit uh, electricity rates, all that sort of stuff. And so those expenses will come out of that primary account. Is that correct? Yeah, for sure. If you, yep. if, if you can't have them come out of your credit card, ideally yes. you want to come out of the yep. credit card because which is the payment account, your credit card account. Cause at the end of the day, if you can, you're paying off that credit card to it's, you know, you're paying the statement every month. So you're not paying a cent in interest. Mm. And by having the money on the credit card and keeping more money in your primary account, you're either saving money or on your home loan, or you're saving, you're making more money in interest while you just pay your credit card off the last day of that 55 day period. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Very good. And so from there, you get your money that comes into your um, primary account. We then transfer some money into the secondary accounts. Yes. Yes. So, um, so for your living and lifestyle account or the seven day float, um, the best way, you know, way we did, we went back over our six last six months of bank statements, kind of worked out what our discretionary spending was. And when I say discretionary spending, I'm talking about things like food and groceries, um, dining and takeout, because you still want to have that stuff. So you plan for it. Um, entertainment, um, you know, clothes, personal care, sports, recreation, anything like that. Um, you you basically work out on average what you spend a week um, and then transfer that amount into that account every week. And the best part about it is this is like a one-off, maybe two or three hours. Do it with the family, make it fun, work out what you guys want to spend. Mm. And then every month, 10 months, uh, 10 months, 10 minutes a month. And um, you kind of do a test and adjust, just go, you know what, we're not actually spending all of this. So we could probably save more. And, um, mm. you know, $20 a week saved is actually $1,000 a year. So it's not a little bit, you know, so if you can save a dollar here and there, it's, it's very much worth it for your future fund. So, so in the Money Smarts, um... I guess philosophy, the living and lifestyle account is—is is that similar? Um, is it a—is that guilt-free spending? Is that um, similar to the barefoot investor where he has the splurge account where you know you, you've got you know you might pay yourself fifty bucks a week or whatever it is, and that's you know there's no guilt. You can go and get your coffee once that's gone. You know that's it for the week. You, you wait for the next week. Is is that similar in the money smarts paradigm? I, I believe so. Yes, but the big you know, caveat there is, let's say you transfer your seven day float on a Thursday, 
highly recommend doing your shop on a Thursday or a Friday, you know, because if you go out and have a big weekend or if you, um, you know, you enjoy dining out with, you know, you find wines and you spend all your money, well, guess what? You can't go grocery shopping. So you're living on what's in the cupboard until the next Thursday. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So you transfer the money from the the primary account to that seven day um, account. Yeah. And then what's what's left over, that goes to the lifestyle account. Have I got that right? <laughs> no. no, no, sorry. Your seven-day account is your lifestyle account. Right. Okay. So, so that's the same account. So My fault. All, all discretionary spending, basically. That's spending accounts. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. pretty much, yeah. Like you buy your groceries, you buy your coffees, you buy your alcohol. Anything that's discretionary comes out of that account. So um, that's where I guess the discipline comes in. If you do have your big weekend and you haven't done your grocery shop, you might be eating what's left in the cupboard until the next Thursday. You know, or the next seven day of income comes into that. So, um, but that's how you stop leakage of spending because you can't, you don't have access to credit. You don't have access to your big savings account sitting there. Um, yep. And you know what? Discipline is not a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you can nail this, you definitely know where your money's going and, and what you're doing with it. Um, you know, and sometimes you can find that you might end up, like you said before, not spending all of that discretionary money. And that's a little bit of extra for, um, you know, maybe drip feeding into a, a holiday coming up or, um, you know, what investing, you know, investing, putting into yeah. shares or, or property or whatever it might be. 100%. Um, so there's that third account that is that another payments account, another uh, yeah. account for expenses. So the third account is your credit card or right. And, and you don't have to have that third account. Like we, like we mentioned before, that could all just come out of your primary account. But, you know, if you've got the discipline to have a credit card, um, it just makes sense because you're saving money by using a credit card, which kind of sounds counterintuitive, but that's how it works. You get a 55-day interest-free period. So as long as you pay off that statement balance at the end of every month, you pay it completely off. You don't pay a cent interest. So that means you've got more money from your credit card, like more credit on your credit card because you've... um, Pay to your bills. That's more money sitting in your primary account, either making you interest or saving you interest in your offset. Yeah. So, so you run this system to a T. You're using this type of system for your own personal finances. Yes, yes, we do, and I will. You know, hand on heart, this is the best thing that I've ever come across for finance. The only yeah. thing I do differently is um, Sarah and myself. We transfer. of both of our incomes into a fourth account, which is our investment account. So Mm. 10% 10 goes straight to the investing. And that doesn't include the investing that we talk about because um, I I put, you know, I see what we do so safe that I put a fair bit of our wealth into that. But that 10% that goes into our other investing account, that's for Sarah and myself to invest as a couple. And that's what we're, I guess we're going to move on to shortly is um, that's what we do our ETF dollar cost average investing with. Right. Um, yeah, look, I use something similar. I probably just use a bit more of a, a bucket philosophy and have um, probably just a couple more accounts. You mentioned your fourth account. Uh, you know, I'll have um, a holidays account. Um, and I guess that sort of rainy day, you know, you always hear personal finance advisors talk about having that sort of three to six months of living expenses. So I've got a separate account for that one as well. But I think the, the, the best thing is just to be able to see your money and see where it's going and, and have those, you know, for me, you know, the bucket accounts and, and um, that way you can see where everything is. And, yeah. and, but some sort of system where you've got your everyday account where your money goes into and then you can distribute it to those other things and just being able to track those things um, 
is is important. Um, and this is this is one, as you said, the, the best one you've come across. So, hundred um, yeah, percent. We want we want to touch on it today. Just uh, ideally, we are getting a handle on our own personal finances to find out what we can really invest and grow that nest egg down the track. And for sure, I think simply, mate, we we should be um, spending less than we earn if we were to summarize it into into a couple of words. But um, yeah, it's a nice nice system to use. Um, so we can, you can, you mentioned before, you can find that online, can't you? Um, yeah, um, simply just go to Google and Google Money Smarts system. And um, it pretty much comes up as what is Money Smarts, the property catch, and it has a PDF link beside it. So um, open that and it takes you straight to the Money Smart system PDF and everything is in there. Um, and also Make Money Simple Again is their book. Um, mm. you can buy the book or it's completely free online as well. So, you know, go read that. Awesome. So yeah, we, you were talking um, just uh, briefly before about dollar cost averaging. Um, let's move into that because any sort of money that we have that we're putting into, you know, our investing bucket accounts or whatever we want to call it, um, there's a couple of ways uh, um, we can do it, I guess, is, is stock picking it and researching, which is what we do a little bit um, with legacy investors investing, but you were talking about dollar cost averaging. Yeah. And so what we're going through with legacy investing, that's my investing strategy. That's your investing strategy. And that's what we love talking about. But um, dollar cost averaging is this, probably the most simplest way anybody can invest without paying somebody to do it. Um, mm. You're basically going to get similar returns without paying the fees. So um you know, high ETF, it's just all index funds basically or exchange traded funds and pretty much periodically depending on how you want to do it. I, I see the ways of doing it is say you save $1,000, you invest it. You save $1,000, you invest it. Or you could do every single month depending on how much money you earn or every single three months and then you just keep investing on that exact same period moving forward. And this is going to average your returns out over the market. So pretty much like right now when the market's expensive, you'll get less shares. But, you know, when there is a big market drop, you put that same amount in, you're going to get a, a heap more shares and over the long term, and this is a long-term investing strategy, you will average out to average market returns over that period and you will make a lot of money. Yeah, so it's essentially you, you define um, dollar cost averaging there where you um, you choose a, a set period to invest a set amount no matter what the price of the ETF, and we we might divide, um, define uh, ETF here in a second, but you, you might choose the first day of every month or you know every six months if you want to save on brokerage fees. Um, and we are you choose an ETF that's like you said really low fees uh, ideally. And yeah, if, if the market's really high, like you said, you are purchasing less shares. And if you if you're in the middle of a crash, you are purchasing more shares, so more bang for your buck. And then over, like you said, 30 to 40 years, the idea is that we're we're getting great returns over that time and compounding interest. And it, it takes a lot of the stress out of for you know it takes a lot of stress out of the investing side of things and stock picking and what to what you should or shouldn't be buying. So it's a really good strategy. There's many many books written on dollar cost averaging. Um, it, it, it is one of the better strategies. Um, that I've been reading about as well. For sure. It's one of the most simple strategies. And, and like one thing I love seeing and from a lot of the podcasts I've listened to, especially finance, property investing, share market investing, you know, 
being able to teach this stuff to you know your kids and stuff and that's but you know that is legacy isn't it but um mm. it's so simple and to be able to have the money conversations and show you know your children or your grandchildren or in my case i talked to my sister who's you know just coming to the point where she'll be legally able to invest for herself just mm. te- teaching them this stuff empowering them it's so simple to follow it's so simple to do and just to see what you know, if they start at such a young age, what they can achieve by the time they're 40, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they get a good two decades of um, investing there and mm-hmm. yeah, you haven't had to sort of stress about, oh, when should I pick, you know, what's the right time to pick in the market? Dollar cost averaging takes that whole um, scenario out of the equation. So yeah, it's a fantastic strategy. Um, so were you saying before earlier that you do have a set of your investing strategy is to dollar cost average into an ETF and then you've got your sort of legacy picking uh, stocks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we, we cut 10% of our incomes that go into our primary account. We put that straight into an investing account. And, you know, the reason why we do that is because I, I'm, it's a lot of work to do legacy investing. Sometimes you do put mm-hmm. a lot of time and effort into researching companies. My partner doesn't do that. So something we can do together as like, I guess, as a family, and invest together and she gets to you know be a part of that she gets to be the one pressing buy on the brokerage account stuff so it's good um let's define exchange traded funds because they um i guess have been really getting more and more popular um it's essentially it's just a broad index or a a slither of and depending on there's there's a multiple and many different exchange traded funds now some are very niched into gold or um cyber security or whatever it might be but um, in this strategy you're probably wanting to pick a index let's say the Australian index and picking something like a Vanguard that has um, you know a slither of the top 200 companies and and that that can change over time so they are doing it for us aren't they we're not sort of having to pick those 200 companies yeah exactly you're basically buying like I said if you would buy the Vanguard Australian shares fund, you're buying 200 companies with one purchase and you're getting a bit of each of those companies. Mm. Um, And the best part about that is too, is, you know, you could buy Vanguard Australia shares and then you could also buy, I think it's VGS, which is um, the international fund. International. So buying two funds, you've just diversified your account across the world. Mm. So, So you're paying fees at like 0.15%. So it's, you know, their fees are I'm happy to pay. Not 2%, but 0.15% is nothing. Mm. I'm getting diversified across the world's indexes. Um, and you're just going to pretty much get the returns of what the world gets in their indexes. It's pretty good. It's getting a little bit tricky in the index uh, or the ETF um, game now because there's just so many different um, niche uh, ETFs and now it's starting to almost get a little bit like stock picking. Which one do you pick? There's one that follows sort of gaming. There's um, there's one called Hack, which is cybersecurity, and Health, which is health. And there's there's so many. Um, but you know, I'd suggest, and this is not this is not advice, but you know, if you want to take all the the thinking out of it, yeah, just buying that broad based index, VAS Vanguard, or or a Beta Share, or a, yeah, there's yeah. plenty out there. For sure. And then on top of that, like if if you want to go a bit more upside, downside kind of risk reward thing, you can actually buy indexes based on small cap companies. So mm. uh, small cap being, you know, you're not going to have a small cap company in the ASX 200 because it's not big enough to be picked in the top 200 companies. 
So you can buy yeah, an index based around a small cap company and you might get more growth, but you're probably going to get more volatility as well. Yeah, so you're saying, I mean, you, you would choose a small small cap um, ETF for that growth possibility as opposed to, you know, your big broad base? Yeah, for sure. So yeah. you might, you, like I said, like you might get more growth than, than your ASX 200 or your S&P 500 or, you know, your main indexes. But you you might probably going to be on that roller coaster ride of volatility. But I'm pretty sure over history, the small caps have done a lot better than your you know big companies. Yeah, they're definitely a bit more volatile. But yeah, that's what, I mean that's where your um, you know the small caps. That's where your appens come from in your after phase. I mean that was a small cap not too long ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's there's definitely um, a lot more growth upside. Um, in the in the small cap space, um, I haven't played there with an ETF, but I've certainly had um, some ETFs, but not in that small cap phase uh, nice. space, I should say. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Awesome, mate. So that's dollar cost averaging. We we've we covered the uh, the money smarts, um, you know, paradigm or philosophy from the property podcast, uh, property catch guys. Um, it's a great uh, way to definitely get your head around your. Your money and, and as Josh said, go out and have a read of the uh, the online PDF. version I have and that yeah the PDF and um, yeah it's definitely a great place to start to get your head around your own personal finances and and really find out where you're spending money because like you said at the beginning there you, you can sort of be like a bit like a leaky bucket sometimes and and you're not really sure you know where why aren't we saving any money where's it going. Yeah, for sure. And it's those, um, you know, when you sit there and you go, oh, where, where's all my money going last week? Or where's all my money going last month? Like, it, it, it's quite empowering to be on top of that, um, to be starting to, uh, you know, trap more money and then putting that money to work for you. Because at the end of the day, that money is what can basically allow you to retire on an income. So, mm. well, mate, I know where all your money's going or not coming from. You never work. <laughs> I've worked long enough to get up some long service. So it's well, well deserved. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Good on you. Long service. That would be nice. Yeah. 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 Uh, he's one of the best. He works for the defense force. So good on you, mate. You're um, keeping the country um, safe and secure at the moment. So, um, <laughs> so mate, um, any final thoughts on that? Yeah, no, no final thoughts on that. I'm pretty sure we we covered that. It's it's such a simple topic, it really is. Um, and I guess for people who haven't put time into finances or you know numbers are scary, um, I guess the only thing I could say to that is you have to start somewhere. And like anything in life, uh, the more you experience something, the more you practice something, the more comfortable it becomes. So the best time to start was 20 years ago. The next best time is now. So that's about yeah, it. Yeah, good saying. Yeah, perfect, mate. So, yeah, uh, great podcast. We are going to come back around to Buffett again next week. Um, they've just had their annual uh, meeting in, um, I think, uh, uh, Warren made the trip out to LA today, uh, just on the weekend, uh, to see his good friend, Charlie Munger, uh, out in LA. He's 97, and and the, the old fella couldn't get on a plane to fly to Omaha, so... <laughs> So the other yeah. old fella, 90 years of uh, Buffett flew out to LA. So they did their annual, um, the normal annual get together where many, many people from around the world will fly out to Omaha. And I think they pack out a stadium. If yeah, right. yeah. They book out a basketball um, arena pretty much. And um, even even last year when COVID hit them and they couldn't get anybody there, they weren't allowed. They still paid for it and did the whole thing in the basketball arena. It's awesome. Yeah. So 
you know, it's, um, it, yeah, we'll unpack that. I think it'll be really good information coming out of there. So. Awesome. Yeah. I think, um, there was a few different, um, juicy nuggets from that one, uh, which was a little bit different to their, uh, shareholder meeting, uh, a, a couple of months ago. So shareholder, yeah, yeah, the that. shareholder letter. Yeah. Shareholder letter. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And yeah, we, we've got some uh, some a few special guests lined up soon, so stay tuned for those. Yeah, um, yeah, we'll have somebody on to talk about the crypto space because it's getting bigger and bigger. And I think we have, or especially I have been, uh, I guess, neglecting it for too long now. So I think it's time to do a bit of research there as well, even if it's part of the speculation fund. Um, I don't know this week's been crazy, like. Things are going up 100% a week. I'm like, what is happening? Yeah, Ethereum's being up sort of 30, 40% in the week as well. So, um, yeah. Some, um, yeah, impressive gains. But um, actually, uh, I think Buffett talked about, or Munger might have even talked a little bit about that in the letter, but we'll, we'll cover that next week. Yeah, it'd be good to get some information from somebody who's been in the space for a long time. So, um, stay tuned for that. Perfect, mate. Well, yeah, thank you to the listeners for joining us again for another episode of the Legacy Investing Podcast. Um, yeah, don't forget to subscribe uh, on iTunes and Spotify. And um, all the best to Josh on the weekend doing uh, Hell Weekend. <laughs> Thanks, mate. I'll catch you next week. So, yeah. All information on the Legacy Investing Podcast is the opinions of the hosts and is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional financial, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of the Legacy Investing Podcast and any contributors to the podcast are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should consult a licensed financial professional.